are so thankful that you are here with us this morning. Uh, I, too, want to welcome Micaiah and his friends back from deployment. We are so thankful that you guys are here with us this morning, and thank you for your service. We appreciate it. Um, yes, another round of applause, I think, is definitely in order. Well, I, as you, most of you know by now, I was actually not here last week. I actually had the Sunday off so that I could participate in a men's conference, a uh, Christian men's conference, which was great and fantastic. So thank you to our leadership for allowing me to do that last weekend. Um, but it was just a great chance for me to recharge the batteries and be ready to come back this week and continue this important series that we are working on in Philippians. Now, I hope that you guys are enjoying this series, and I hope that you're gaining either some new information or maybe being reminded of some things you haven't studied in a while, but I've gotten a lot of really good feedback on this series. So if you missed any of the previous lessons, you're welcome to go back. They're all on our website. They're all on our Facebook page, and you can get caught back up to date on our Philippians series. So let's jump in. Today we're going to pick up in chapter two. I know it's been two weeks since we, we left off, but we kind of tackled uh, chapter one in two pieces, and we're going to pick up today in chapter two. So if you have your Bibles, if you have your Bible app, if you have your computer, whatever you're using this morning, you're going to want to turn to Philippians chapter two, and that's where we're going to find the majority of our scripture. So let's take a step back. Because it's really important that as we, as we tackle these verses and as we dive into these stories, that we understand the background. So I want to make sure that we haven't forgotten where we're at. This is a letter from Paul, of course, that he wrote to the church in Philippi. Now remember, this is one of the earlier churches that he established in that area. And he, so he has a fondness for this church and he has a love for this church, as he does for all of his churches. But this church probably holds a special place in his heart as well. Now, Paul has found the secret to joy and love despite his circumstances. Because we remember, Paul is in prison when he writes this letter. Now, I don't mean to harp on that fact, but it's a very important thing for us to remember that Paul wasn't exactly in the best of times. He wasn't exactly in the best place in his life. He was actually sitting in a cold, dark prison cell, chained up. Now, we're in the midst of a pandemic, and some of you may feel that very same way sometimes, that you're being chained to your house or that you're being uh, chained to your home or whatever the case may be. And you can't maybe do the things that you would like to do or be able to do the things that you want to do. Well, Paul was in that exact same circumstance. But what I love about Paul and what I love about this letter is here Paul sits in prison, right? And, and he doesn't know what his future holds. He doesn't know if he's going to be executed. He doesn't know if he's going to be set free. He doesn't really know what God's plan for him is. Now, in our last message together, we talked about to live uh, is Christ and to die is gain. And we talked about how he was wrestling with this idea of, is it better for me to continue living and continue doing the work of the Lord here? Or is it better for me just to go ahead and die and go to heaven to be with Jesus? And we wrestled with that fact. So Paul just doesn't know what's going to happen. He doesn't know what his future holds, but that doesn't stop Paul from being joyful and being loving and supporting and encouraging the church and doing the work of the Lord despite his circumstances. Because as you'll, as you'll remember, when we talked about the very first week of, of the Philippians study, is the, the book of Philippians is all about joy. And it's all about love, and it's all about encouraging. And that's one of the reasons that I love this book so much, is Paul didn't let his circumstances prevent him from doing the work of the Lord. 
And that's kind of where we're at right now. As you know, we, we have about a, a fourth of the people in the auditorium that we would normally have on a Sunday morning. Now, granted, we do have a, a huge live audience out on our live stream from all different parts of the country, which is fantastic. But we're not able to do the work of the Lord like we normally would. It's forced us to go outside, right, of our comfort zones and figure out new ways to continue to spread the gospel. But we haven't let this pandemic stop us from doing that, just like Paul didn't let his imprisonment stop him from doing the work that the Lord had given him to do. See, he found this joy, right, that comes from a thankful heart in Christ Jesus. Despite his circumstances, he is so thankful for what Jesus has done for him that he doesn't let that stop him from continuing to do this important work. So, have we checked our attitudes? Have we checked our attitudes lately? There's a lot of crazy things going on right now, right? Work is crazy. Our life is crazy. For the kids, school is crazy, and sometimes that makes the parents crazy, right? Because they're, they're now being a teacher on top of, of whatever their profession is and running their household. This pandemic has people going crazy. I don't necessarily mean that literatively, of course. Literally, of course, it's figuratively. But it's got a lot of us kind of going stir-crazy and, and starting to, to do some things that maybe we wouldn't normally do. If you look at the statistics from the pandemic, Alcohol sales are through the roof. Illicit and illegal drug usage is through the roof. Suicide is through the roof. It's a challenging time that we're in. And our attitudes can go a long way towards where we're going to find ourselves during this time. Because, see, we can, we can let this pandemic be, be all-consuming, and that's all we think about, and that's all we worry about, and that's all we care about, or we can have a positive attitude, and we can have the attitude of Christ, which is what we're going to look at here this morning. I love this quote from Winston Churchill. It says, attitude is a little thing that makes a big, big difference. And I think you guys know that. And parents, I know you try and instill in your children to have a positive attitude, right? And we should all have a positive attitude, right? Because we're following Jesus Christ, who already paid the price for us. And we know that despite this, this, this time and this place that we find ourselves in, we're destined for a better place, not because of us, but because of what Jesus did for us. So what we're going to look at today is we're going to look at Paul's attitude. And we're going to look at how Paul's attitude mirrored the attitude of Jesus Christ. We need to have that same attitude. Because see, now more than ever, we as a church family, wherever we may be, not just here in Mission Viejo, but we need to be unified. And we're unified through our humbleness and through our humility. And that's what we're going to focus on here this morning. We're going to focus on this aspect of humbleness and this aspect of humility. Because in this portion of our scripture from Philippians, we see that Paul hammers that point over and over and over again about this idea of being humble. And then at the end, we'll look at some other scriptures as well where we see some really important tie-ins to this idea of humility. Now, we are very blessed that we live in Southern California. And there are some gorgeous homes and some ridiculously expensive cars. And, and some of us may have some things that others just quite frankly don't have. And that's okay. But do we have that humble spirit that Jesus Christ had? And we'll unpack that a little bit further as we go on. But let's jump into our scripture, because I think it's important that we read our scripture here this morning 
before we start diving in and looking verse by verse at how we're going to unpack this. So let's just read this together. And you're welcome to read this aloud or read it to yourself. But let's jump into Philippians chapter 2. And we're going to start with verse 2. It says, Then make my joy complete. Once again, Paul's talking about joy, despite the fact that he's in prison. He's focused. His attitude is that of joy. By being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the Spirit and of one mind. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Let's pick up in verse 5. It says, in your relationships with one another... Have the same mindset of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Wow, that's a powerful piece of scripture. If you like to highlight in your Bible, if you like to underline in your Bible, underline that verse 6. But let's jump ahead, verse 7. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness. Verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, Paul over and over again talks about this idea of humility, and that's where I really want to focus our intentions this morning, is on this idea of humility. C.S. Lewis, who, as you know, has, has some great quotes, some great poetry, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Now, see, sometimes when you talk about humility and you talk about being humble, we start to think that, well, if I'm going to be humble, that means I need to be weak and I need to, I need to be a doormat and I need to let people walk all over me. But that's, that's not what we're talking about. And that's why I love this quote so much. It doesn't mean I have to think less of myself. It just means I need to think of others before myself. And we know that that's the example that Jesus sets for us over and over and over again in the scripture, that he puts others' needs above his own. And that's what we're talking about when we talk about humility. So what are the problems? What are the problems right now that we're kind of all dealing with together? Well, we're dealing with the fact that states are divided, right? Different states are divided over how they're going to reopen their states, and we can't all seem to get on the same page or even agree on how that should be done. We're looking at social media. Social media is out of control right now. It really is. The things I'm seeing on social media are so disheartening. Because not only am I seeing people attacking other people, but I'm seeing people within the church attacking each other and talking about each other based on their political views or their views on the pandemic or their views on masks. This is a time we need to unite as a church family, not be divided over issues like that. Because those are not salvation issues. We have experts on COVID. I'm sure some of you guys have these on your social media. 
that one person who never went to college and is not a doctor and has no degree and lives at home in mom and dad's basement, but all of a sudden they're an expert on COVID and they know everything there is to know about COVID. And they're out there spreading that over and over again. We've got the elections coming up. We had another debate this week, which I guess was a little better than the last debate, I guess you'd say. But still, it's so divisive. It's so attacking each other. It's one party attacking the other, and then that party attacking back. And the problem with that is, is I'm seeing that even within my Christian brothers and sisters. Elections bring out this really strong, this really strong emotions and these strong attitudes. And, and I'm seeing people just attacking one another with no humbleness and no humility to say, hey, I'm going to listen to what you have to say. It's all about, hey, I'm right. And if you don't agree with me, too bad, you're wrong. That's not the spirit of humility that we're taught to have in the Bible. And last but certainly not least, we see culture starting to creep in to the church. We see culture creeping into the church. Now, we talked about this, if you were with us uh, a few months back, when we did our, our Building Resilient Disciples series, we talked a lot about culture. And throughout the Bible, we see that we are called to be counter-cultural. We're not just to go along with what culture is doing or what culture says is okay. We need to be doing what Jesus teaches us and what the Bible says is okay. So let's go back and let's unpack this kind of a verse at a time or a couple of passages at a time. And I know this first one is a little bit on the long side. But again, I want to point out that Paul still had joy and he's urging them, right, Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. See, Paul's reminding us of this idea of unity and coming together and being one as a Christian family. You guys all know someone, right? We all know someone that struggles with humility, right? I used to, I used to work with a guy... And there was not a, an ounce of humility in his body. You could say, uh, hey, I, I ran a marathon over the weekend. And he'd be like, oh, I ran two. Or you could be like, hey, I climbed a mountain last weekend. And he'd be like, oh, I did that with a broken leg. No matter what you could say, he's done it times 10. He's done it better, faster, whatever the case may be. Now, think about those people in your life. Are those the people that you're drawn to? Are those the people that you want to be around? Are those the people that you want to share your life with? I mean, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, probably not. It's hard to be around people like that. So think about that. If we, as a Christian fellowship, if we as a church family are acting in that manner, where's the unity? Where's the unity? Are people going to want to be around us? Again, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, probably not. And how does that bode then when we're following the Great Commission and we're going out to teach the good news of Jesus to people in the world? Are they going to want to be drawn to us? Are they going to be want to be drawn to the church? Are they going to want to be drawn to Jesus if we're acting with a lack of humility? Probably not, because that's just not the way we want to be, and that's not the people that we want to be around. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking for your own interests, but the interests of others. Isn't that what it really comes down to? 
It's not about me. It's how can I help others? Because, see, that's exactly what Jesus did. When Jesus had his ministry here on earth, he didn't go around going, hey, it's me, I'm Jesus. Check me out, watch this. That's not what he did. He didn't do that. That's not how he acted. Because he knew that people wouldn't be drawn to that. He didn't try to be the showman. Although he could have, because he could do some amazing things. And he did do some amazing things. But that's not how he acted, and that's not the example that we're to follow. So some of those key things I want you to pull out of verses 2 through 4 is the idea of unity. Unity is one of those things we see throughout the New Testament over and over and over again. Unity coming together, the Jews and the Gentiles. The gospel is for everyone. We need to stand together. I love that song that Brandon just sang, uh, talking about build your kingdom here. Set the church on fire. Set the church on fire. Are we on fire? Are we coming together and doing everything we can to advance the kingdom? Or have we got comfortable and gotten complacent? Love. He talks about being in the love of Christ. He talks about loving one another. We may not all agree on things. Chances are we don't. But we don't have to. But what we do have to do is be unified. And we have to focus on the things that bring us together and not the things that split us apart. We're united by the love of Christ. If you're a Jesus follower, if you are someone who loves Jesus, then guess what? We have something in common. And if we focus on that and not the fact that maybe we're voting for different people or not the fact that we don't agree with what the governor is doing for reopening the state, then that unity is what draws us together. Because it's us against them, right? It's us against the world. We just talked about this idea of culture trying to sweep into the church. We see more and more churches who are going farther and farther away from the word of God to please people can't let that happen. We have to be that unified front. We don't have to agree, but we need to be unified in Christ. Our unity leads to humility. Our humility leads us to joy in the Lord because our minds are focused on the right priorities. The right priorities. See, when we're focused on Jesus... And we're focused on our relationship with Jesus. And we're focused on helping others have a relationship with Jesus. Then it's amazing how we don't have time for some of that other stuff. And it's amazing how we can push some of that other stuff out of the way. Right? Because we're focused on Jesus. I said this a couple weeks ago and I'll say it again. It doesn't matter who gets elected. Jesus is still the king. He's still going to be on the throne. So let's focus on that. And I'm not saying don't vote. By all means, vote. But what I am saying is, at the end of the day, it's still about Jesus. It's not about Republican or Democrat. And when we focus on that with an attitude of humility, then all this other stuff washes away. We don't always have to be right. We don't always have to be right. Newsflash, and some people that I'm friends with haven't figured this part out yet, you don't always have to be right. Because you know what? It's not worth pushing someone away. 
either out of our lives or away from Jesus so that we can win an argument. That's not an attitude of humility. That's not what Paul's talking about. Paul's talking about humbling ourselves. And sometimes that means we just have to say, okay, I respect your opinion. And let it go. We don't have to argue about it. It's putting others before ourselves. Let's jump out of Philippians for just a moment. Let's jump over to Romans chapter 12 because you can't have a a lesson on humility without this verse, in my opinion. So Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. I love that verse. Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. And quite frankly, we do that sometimes. And quite frankly, that's why humility is mentioned over and over again in the Bible. Because we have this tendency, right, to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. We do this in our personal lives, and we do this at work, and we do this in our relationships, we do this in our friendships. And I love this reminder. Don't think of yourselves more highly than what you need to. Let's jump back into the scripture. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says, If your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. Again, it's all about how we treat others. It says, My joy is complete when I adopt the same attitudes as Christ. But how do we do that? Well, we model Jesus. And we study Jesus. And we study the inspired word. Because if we don't know what the inspired word says, then how can we follow Jesus? How do we follow this this guidebook, if you will, that we've been given called the Bible, if we're not spending time in the Bible, if we're not reading the Bible, if we're not studying the Bible, if we're not understanding the Bible? That's how we learn who Jesus was and how we can be more like him. Verse 6 says, Who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. That in a nutshell, right, tells you exactly what you need to know about Jesus. He was basically God in flesh, right? He was walking the earth. He had these unlimited powers, basically. But he humbled himself. And he didn't use that to his advantage. Equality is important. But so is humility. See, Jesus was on that same level with God, but he didn't act that way. And if anybody could have, it would be him. But he didn't, because he's setting that example for us. See, Christ had a humble beginning. Christ was born, I'm not going to get into the Christmas sermon, but, but Christ was born in a manger. And for those of you who don't know what a manger is, it's basically a barn, right? He's born in a barn. Not the kind of birth you would expect from the Messiah. Not the kind of birth you would expect from a king. He was born in a barn. He lived a humble life. Throughout Jesus' ministry, throughout the New Testament, we see that Jesus was humble at every turn. Don't tell people that I'm the Messiah. He healed and gave all the glory to God. And he had a humble death. He had a humble death. He didn't have the fanfare, right? There wasn't a, a parade after his death. 
honoring him. He had a very, very humble death. Let's move on to verse 7. It says, Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. See, Jesus didn't take on the nature of God, so to speak. Jesus came to serve. He came to serve. And we see that throughout his life on earth. He wasn't sitting on a throne somewhere being waited on hand and foot and having food brought to him and, and having drinks brought to him and sitting in the shade. No, he came to serve. He came and traveled. He came and walked hundreds of miles throughout his ministry serving others. He washed the feet of his disciples, which was the ultimate act of service and humility. Verse 8, excuse me. It says, After being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. His death on the cross was humiliating. It was humiliating. I just finished a class on uh, Matthew in college, and we talked a lot about crucifixion. And crucifixion was a very common form of death at this, at this point in time. It wasn't all that uncommon. Matter of fact, the, the, the upright part of the cross, those were permanent. Those were permanent pieces that stayed in place because they used them so frequently. But it was a humiliating way to die. This is how they killed thieves and robbers and murderers, none of which was Jesus Christ. When they would hang these men on the cross, people would walk by. They did this in a public place. People would walk by and throw insults at them, throw rocks at them, say terrible things to them. And sometimes they would even leave the bodies there for days to let the birds pick at them. And so that people could always have the chance to come by and remember how terrible this person was. Now we know that in the story of Jesus, uh, Joseph of Arimathea comes along and you know, asks for the body and takes him and gives him a proper burial. But dying on the cross was a humiliating way to die. It's often said that, hey, Jesus could have called down 10,000 angels and just said, you know what, this is not how I'm going out. That could have lifted him off the cross. And he wouldn't have been made fun of and tortured. But he didn't. Because that's not who Jesus was. He was humble to the very, very end. Last two verses. It says, therefore God exalted him. Therefore, because of his humility, God exalted him to the highest place. And gave him the name that is above every other name. Then, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That key word in this, in this passage is therefore. It's because. It's because that he was willing to humble himself that he was rewarded. And see, it's because we are able to humble ourselves, right, 
We may not get all the things that we want here on earth. We may not have the life that we want here on earth, but we know that if we truly humble ourselves and we truly follow Christ, that one day we'll be rewarded just as Jesus was. Let's look at some additional scriptures, and you can either flip over to these quickly, or I'll have them up on the screen for you. Proverbs 17.22. I love the book of Proverbs. It says, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. We're talking about attitudes and this cheerful attitude. When we flip over to Romans 14, 17, and 18, it says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Again, this attitude is what we're talking about. This attitude of peace, this attitude of joy, and this spirit of humility. 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Colossians 3.12, last one that we're going to look at today. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I don't want to leave you with that scripture because that scripture kind of sums up how we should be acting, right? How our attitude should be. This attitude of compassion, this attitude of kindness, an attitude of humility, of gentleness, and of patience. So what are our takeaways? We have to recognize that we're not perfect and that we're not above others, just as Jesus was. We need to accept that. We need to avoid bragging because, again, it's the spirit of humility that Christ had that we need to model. We need to appreciate others. We need to serve with a humble spirit just as Jesus does. And we need to check our attitudes. It's a tough time. We're in a tough place. But the one thing we can't control is our attitude. We can't control what happens to us, but we can control how we react to that. So let's remember, let's remember to take stock of our attitudes on a daily basis. And as we, as we look at this first part of chapter 2 in Philippians, the thing I want you to focus on is not only that, that, that positive attitude and that positive spirit and that place of joy that we have to find, but let's find that through humility because in humility we are united as one. As we wrap things up this morning, maybe you've never had a chance to be baptized for the remission of your sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We know that the Bible teaches that baptism is a crucial step in the process. If you've never had the opportunity to do that, I'm going to invite you this morning in just a moment. Brandon's going to come up and, and lead us in another song. I want to invite you to come forward. We'll pray with you, and we can baptize you. And if you're in our home audience or on our live stream audience, please reach out to me, Aaron at mvchurch.org. Love to talk to you more about baptism. Happy to have you come up if you're ready to take that important step. Or maybe, maybe you're a Christian and you've been a Christian for a long time. And you just haven't had that relationship with Jesus Christ that you feel like you need and that you want and that he wants to have with you. What better time than to come forward? We'll pray with you. We'll pray for you. And we can help you get back to a right relationship with Jesus Christ. If we can help you in any way, I want to invite you to come forward as we stand together and as we sing. You are the everlasting God. The everlasting God. You do not think you grow weary. You are the everlasting.
Wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord. We are so thankful that we were able to spend our Sunday morning together here as a church family. Just a quick reminder, we will have our Sunday night devotional tonight uh, at 5.30 in the parking lot. And if there is a chance of inclement weather, uh, if that does tend to happen, we will come inside. We will not sit outside in the rain, so don't worry about that. Um, but we're looking forward to a great message from uh, Glenn Alsop Jr. And if you've ever heard him speak before, he always does a fantastic job. So I know I'm looking forward to that. Um, would you please join me in a word of closing prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come together to just lift up your name on high. Heavenly Father, we pray that as we get ready to leave this place, we'll remember the words of Paul as he reminds us to keep our attitudes in check and most of all this morning to just work on this aspect of humility. Help us to just humble ourselves so that we can glorify you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for that sacrifice that was made on our behalf and we know that that was only done out of your great love for us, not that we were deserving. Heavenly Father, we ask that as we get ready to go our separate ways, you would just be with us, guide, guard, and direct us. And we hope to see everyone back at our next appointed hour. It's in Christ's precious name that we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for being with us. Have a great week. Beautiful one I love. Beautiful one I adore. Beautiful one my soul must sing. Beautiful one I love. Beautiful one I adore. Beautiful one my soul must sing. You open my eyes to your wonders and you. You capture my heart with this love. Cause nothing on earth is as beautiful as you. You open my eyes to your wonders and you. You capture my heart with this love. Cause nothing on earth is as beautiful.